Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Stiano here, um, live at um, Stiano Towers. So we got some questions and answers here. So please feel free to post a question if you have one. If not, listen to the questions that I've got because uh, fortunately I've got some. I was a bit panicked there. I thought one well, didn't have any questions there, but, but of course I have. Already um, up there. Um, so what we got? We have got a question here. Now where are they? I know where they are uh here we go 14th here we go amy's in the house and corinne is in the house good to see you both um could i talk about hypertrophic scar yeah i think someone posted this question and i think i said to them can you tell me what what uh, specifically you want me to talk about and they didn't get back to me so there you go i will talk in general terms about hypertrophic scar um so hypertrophic scars are red raised scars, lumpy scars, unsightly scars, abnormal scarring. And there is a spectrum. And on one end of the spectrum, you've got a totally normal scar, flat and skin colored. And on the other end of the spectrum, you've got a keloid scar, which is a very florid, very raised. Um, it can be quite extensive scar. And hypertrophic scar is sort of along that spectrum. And it's slightly debatable whether it's actually keloid scar is a separate entity or if it's just part of the spectrum. But um, keloid scars traditionally extends outside the boundaries of the original scar, whereas a hypertrophic scar stays within the boundaries of the original scar. Um, hypertrophic, they can look similar in the early stages. Hypertrophic stars, scars are usually uh, self-limiting in that they get better on their own, but they can take about 18 months to get better. Um, they're often red, raised and itchy. Both of them can be that. Um, hypertrophic scars can be due to delayed wound healing. So if you get an infection or a delayed wound healing, particularly if your wound takes longer than three weeks to heal, which is one of the reasons, one of the criteria we use to treat burns. If you have a burn, um, sometimes you have a very superficial burn that's going to heal up no problem. Sometimes you have a very deep burn that's definitely going to need a skin graft. The problem comes with the intermediate burns, which are going to they are going to heal but they're going to take time to heal and um, if they're going to take more than three weeks to heal then we worry that that would give you a hypertrophic scarring so we would I say we don't really treat burns anymore but anyway we as plastic surgeons we would normally uh, um, arrange to see you back a week maybe two weeks to have a look how well that burns healing and if it looks like it's not healing so well um, it is a case of grafting it because this, the the, the uh, scar is going to be better if we graft it. But um, crikey, how do we get onto that? Oh, hypertrophic scarring. Yeah. So um, hypertrophic scarring is, is scarring, which is due to delayed wound healing and infection and self-limiting. And uh, the treatment is similar with hypertrophic scarring and keloid scarring in terms of massage. Um, uh, is this first instance? Then uh, silicone can help, which can be come either as a gel or a sheet. Um, the sheet is usually better if you could keep it on. So if it's on the breast or on the body, often the, the sheet can stay on. If it's on the face or the ear or something like that, the, the sheet will just fall off. So the gel is better in those areas. 
um, and then steroid injection, and lastly, scar revision. Um, but we would really use scar revision as a last ditch because often these things are caused by the way your body heals. As I say, if there was obvious reason for it to be hypertrophic, for instance, if there was delayed healing, then we'd be more likely to revise it surgically than if there was no obvious reason for it to become hypertrophic. If there was no obvious reason, then the worry is it's your body's response to scarring. And so if we revised it and gave you another scar, it might be just the same. So um, that will be taken into account in the history. But uh, so if there was no obvious reason for it, then we would be very anxious about revising it surgically because we could give you another hypertrophic scar. So um, that will be the last ditch uh, of, of treatments. Um, so yeah, talking a bit about hypertrophic scar. Douglas, Christmas jumper on your next live q and I've just realized what next is going to be seven plus four, 21. So definitely, I mean, I can't believe I'm not wearing one tonight. Well, look at me. I mean, I'm not prepared. I think you can probably tell that. Hair's a mess. I don't have my hair done. Almost look like I'm balding, you, you know, to the untrained eye. I mean, there's clearly quite a lot of hair there, but just a bit untidy. God, it looks, look how long it is. Anyway, um, yeah, I can't believe it. One, can I, can I wear Christmas jumpers after? Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, defo, defo, Douglas. I don't know what I'm doing next Tuesday. I mean, God, am I going to be here next Tuesday? Tuesday before Christmas, am I going to be here doing this? Probably am, you know. What kind of life is that? Last life for me before the big day. I know, Corinne, big day. A lot of stressies going on about the theatre and stuff. It's all looking like it's all okay in terms of all this corona thing, but it is bubbling up, isn't it? Yeah, Corinne, big day. Um, six sleeps five i don't know anyway six day anyway whatever yeah good um hypertrophic scars can you wear a christmas jumper on monday no i can't corinne i've got to look professional i know i don't look very professional here but i can't look professional i'm not gonna wear a christmas jumper the work the theater am i um i don't know if it'd be sterile i think christmas scrubs um oh um do we offer rhinoplasty? One word answer, no. I tried to base the clinic and I'm trying to, you know, build the clinic on excellence. And the my area of excellence and expertise is in breast and body contouring. So it's not in face. So um, rhinoplasty is one of those ones which is really difficult and uh you have to know what you're doing with rhinoplasty um so we don't offer rhinoplasties we don't offer um non-surgical like botox fillers etc etc as i expand the clinic and get other surgeons working with me and things it might be something that we will be doing but at the moment like for instance on this if you ask me a question about rhinoplasty tip this and cartilage that and you know spread a graft and goodness knows what i'd be quite frankly lost so um you know that's why i don't want to dabble in it because a lot of people do dabble in plastic surgery and all bits and bobs all over the place a lot of people do a bit of everything and uh, i don't i just do breast and body so breast and body questions i'm okay with those but um but yeah we don't do rhinoplasty so um Oh my God, my friend had a boob reduction today. She's absolutely over the moon. Look at that. That's the sort of live, live re reactions we want from Ali Nicholas. Good to hear. Did you, did you, 
tell her that you recommended her. That's the thing, because you know, no cost if uh, patients are recommended. Uh, no, no, we don't charge consultation fees. Hope ever, hope all my patients know that. Um, after having a breast augmentation, how long do things take to settle? I'm sure I've asked that. I'm sure I've done that. Have I not done that? Um, well, again, short answer: one year. Longer answer: wounds healed in about five days, five to seven days. So you have a dressing on for about a week. Once the dressing comes off, the wounds usually heal. The skin's healed, so you don't need um, you don't need a dressing after a week. But the skin, the sort of underneath of the skin and the scar and all that takes a few months for it to sort of get to strength. So you don't want to be doing anything too active for probably the first couple of months um, to get the wound knitting together. The shape looks wrong to start with. They're up here and all sorts. I normally say the sharp shape starts to settle about three months, starts to settle and takes about six, 12 or 18 months for it to really properly settle. So 12 months is, is is where things are really starting to settle, I would say. But you'll have an idea on the way, but you know, that's that's the ballpark. Highly recommend JS is the best. Yeah. Come on. Bloody good of you to say. Haven't forgotten me. Uh, I haven't seen you in a long time. Um, so uh, is areola reduction included in a breast lift? Yes, it is. So when you do a breast lift, a breast lift, tightens the skin around the breast and when you're tightening the skin around the breast you as well as tightening the skin you're moving the nipple you're moving the nipple from a low place to a high place so that is an integral part of a breast lift a breast lift and a breast reduction answering another question are the similar operations reduction makes them smaller whereas a lift keeps them the same size so the same operation in that they're reducing the skin envelope the reduction just reduces the volume as well but both of them reduce the skin envelope and move the nipple and when you're moving the nipple you can make the nipple smaller and you often do often i say the nipple being being a bit slapdash with my terminology there areola to be pacific um the nipple is actually the bit in the middle that sticks out the areola is the pigmented bit of skin around the outside so um so it's actually the areola that we um, reduce as part of a breast lift and it is normal to reduce it a bit and i'll Occasionally, people say they don't want their areola reduced, which is fine. You don't have to have it reduced. You can have it the same size. But um, often, when you, the reason you need a breast lift is because the breast skin has been stretched. Not always. Some people are born with the shape of the breast they don't like. But often, people need a breast lift because the skin has been stretched. Two things that do that: children and uh, weight loss or weight gain, the loss stretching the skin, and the areola being part of the breast skin gets stretched with that breast skin. So the areola is often. Um, larger than than would be in proportion with the breast, particularly when it is tightened and lifted. So it's very uh, common and unusual to do an areola reduction as part of a breast lift, and you certainly don't need to pay for it. You know, you don't have to pay for a, um, for an areola reduction. That's actually an integral part of it. Um, what you got, Louise? Louise, on three weeks post-op, is it okay to use bio oil on my scars, or do I need to wait six weeks? Um, nothing written in stone, Louise. It depends on how well they've healed, particularly at the T-junction. Sometimes the T-junction can be a bit at three weeks. I don't know. I mean, if it's completely dry, if you're wearing bras and when you take your bra, you're like, you've got no dressings on and you take your, your bra off and there's nothing on the on the dressing, then, you know, there's probably no harm in gently going for it. What I usually do, Louise, is I normally at six weeks, things not only have healed well, 
but they've got a bit of strength to them at six weeks. So at six weeks, we actually talk about massaging your scars, giving it a bit of pressure, making them blanch, which at three weeks is probably a bit early for that because I think it's not quite knitted together strongly. So I would, you know, if you want to put stuff on your scars, yes, you can put stuff on them, but I wouldn't go too much on the massage side of things. Um, and it's really actually the massage that actually helps the scar rather than the stuff. A lot of people rate bio oil, vitamin E, aloe vera, Nivea, um, all sorts, you know, um, people use all sorts of aqueous cream. Um, and, and I don't think there's any evidence to say that one thing's better than another thing, but actually the massage is good. So actually the, the vehicle for the massage doesn't matter quite so much as actually giving it a bit of pressure. But at three weeks, I think giving it a bit of pressure, Louise, is a little bit too soon. So I would, you know, if you want to put stuff on, fine. If you want, if your skin's going dry and things like that, that's fine. If you want to moisturize, no problem. But I wouldn't go too crazy on the massaging. I'll catch up with you at six weeks and then I'll talk to you about giving it a bit of pressure and, uh, and trying to break down that scar tissue because you'll feel often at six weeks, the scar tissue actually feels um, firmer than it does at three weeks. So maybe the, you know, sometimes at three weeks it doesn't feel too bad. But at six weeks, as it starts knitting together, it feels a bit more firm, a bit more sort of rope like. Um, and we need to break down that scar tissue. It will naturally break down on its own, but massaging can help it. So personally, I normally wait till about six weeks for the actual massage portion of it. But if you want to give it a bit of a bit of a moisturize, that's fine, Louise. Done that one. Do you have microneedling treatment for acne scars using Dermo Roller? Again, a bit like what I was saying about the rhinoplasty thing. Um, we don't do non-surgical and that includes microneedling um for acne scars there's another question in a minute i'll i'll um i'll uh, terry long time no see i'll um cat is in the house as well nice to see you here amanda as well <laughs> see you all i don't know if you've gone by now i don't know i should have said hello sooner um um so microneedling for acne scars um I don't do so that that would be in the non-surgical arena and I don't do this sort of thing. And I, I feel like, hello, Terry, um, I feel like there are people out there who do it a lot of it and do, you know, focus on it. That's their specialty, just like breast and body is my specialty. Um, non-surgical and micro needling and the other thing is subsidi subsidian for acne scars, you know, treatment for acne scars. Um, is their specialty and they can talk to you about all the nuances of all the different ways and how they all work and you know show you maybe some some results of before and afters and and um and i feel like you know i'm going to leave it to them because as i say in this industry particularly in plastic surgery surgery there's a lot of dabblers we don't get it in other industries you don't get it in cardiology or in orthopedics or in um bowel surgery or in brain surgery or in liver surgery, you know, those are all done by specialists. Um, you know, no um, hernia surgeon would want to then just do some livers, and no orthopedic surgeon would decide to do a bit of heart surgery or brain surgery, you know. So for some reason, well, I think we, we know the reason, but, you know, plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery, um, and plastic surgery is a subspecialty in its right, just like brain surgery, just like orthopedic surgery, um, just like heart surgery. It's a specialty in its own right. But for some reason, all sorts of people do plastic surgery 
and dabble all over there's a lot of dabblers out there in the in the cosmetic surgery world um and one of the things that i have tried to stand for in my clinic is a no dabble policy no dabbling we've got a strict no leave your dabbling at the door we say look you want to dabble don't come in here we don't want no dabblers right no dabblers dabblers hit no yeah down there maybe there'll be some dabblers but we we don't do dabbling so there'll be no dabbling going on and so in my book microneedling for uh, using derma roller for acne scars would be a dabble and that ain't happening so no we don't do dabbling so there'll be someone out there who is an expert in microneedling and acne scars and all that bits and bobs and uh, that is the person you want to go to and hopefully that person doesn't also dabble and put in breast implants and tummy tucks, but they might well because people do a bit of everything. Anyway, so no, it's it's, it's a short answer. Yeah, no, we don't do microneedling. Um, Louise, thank you and Merry Christmas. And with a Christmas, Father Christmas emoji. Didn't know there was one. Louise, learned something there. Thank you very much. Oh, we got we got a theme. Do you know what? This almost looks like this has been planned. We've got a theme because we've got another question. Do you offer liposuction to the chin area? Um, no, don't do that either. God, this is not a good, this is not a um, uh, a promotional video. This is it, crikey, I've told you lots of things that I don't do. So liposuction to the area, to the chin area can be done and is actually very effective. It's a very effective area for liposuction. Um, uh, just like any liposuction doesn't remove skin, but if you've got, Excess fat in the chin area, liposuction is a is um is certainly a very um standard or whatever you know technique, but it is not one thing that I do because it's a dabble, and I've already referred to five minutes ago. I'm not a dabbler, so it's a dabble. It's a facial person's world that it's up there with the rhinoplasties and things. So I don't um no negative nine niente. Jackie, good to see you tonight. Um. So no, I do not do liposuction to the shin area. Um, very sorry about that. But uh, but again, there'll be someone out there who do, does faces, just like I do breasts. There'll be someone out there who does faces and who does rhinoplasties and does liposuction to the chins and does facelifts and all the bits and bobs that go along with that. So um, so that is uh, where I am. What I've got here, right back at you, Jackie. What I've got here is the last question I've got. Do you know last week? I can't believe it was last week. I just had my third jab. I did this. I was all right. I was in a right home state that night, I'll tell you. I had my th third jab in the morning, Christmas lunch. Did this Tuesday, last Tuesday. I had to take Wednesday off, cancel the whole clinic. I was like, a, I basically slept. Wednesday, Thursday morning, slept as well. Got about lunchtime, did a um sort of phone clinic on thursday afternoon um then was sort of all right friday i was all right but couldn't believe it i was sort of all right doing this i felt bad cancelling the clinic but yeah to be honest with you there was no there was no but you were you went to me in terry were you terry i've got to be honest with you it, i say i felt bad i couldn't have done it it was a no-brainer i wasn't even i wasn't even wondering didn't sleep at all i've already hurt my ribs are here because i fell off my bike ages ago this arm was where i had the injection couldn't lie on that arm at all did not sleep at all um 
sort of like the COVID, because I had the COVID earlier on in the year, in February. Uh, lying there. It's a Wednesday morning, Terry. It was a no-brainer. I had to cancel it. I'd have been no use to if I if I come in. You would not have been happy. I wouldn't have been happy. So um, I hope we rebooked it, Terry. Sorry about that. I cancelled the whole clinic. I don't think that makes you feel better or worse, but um, it's quite a big clinic. I've heard there was just some bad effects. Yeah, I've heard that if you when you have um, if you have a bad reaction to the first one, you're gonna you you know you're gonna get a bad reaction to one of them basically. Um, I don't know if there's any science in that. Maybe I should be spouting science because I'm a doctor, but um, certainly I had no reaction to the first two. So the third one was was a good good you know good reaction of me feeling unwell um but yeah good luck with that terry they're trying to get all the boosters done aren't they but uh i suppose it's good to get it done isn't it then you're a boosted person but god we'll have another booster next year who knows um but uh yeah fully fully done um in answer to the question on the table do we offer subcision procedure at our clinics for acne scars no we don't because that's a dabble right we don't dabble we don't we don't you know what I can do? Do you know what I can do? This is only on, on Facebook. I could, oh, it's not worth it, is it? Is it? How many people are on Facebook? We don't dabble. No. All right no dabbling yeah we don't do it we don't do no, no dabbling so subcision procedure are clearly for any stars so no um again someone you need someone who knows sounds bad i was about to say who knows what they're doing i mean i could do it i I've got to be honest, I'm not convinced in it because an acne scar is scarring, pulling the, 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 the skin down, giving you that sort of indent for the, for the um, sort of classic sort of ice pick scar. And I know people do subcision. I guess it must work. But subcision is going to be cutting it, cutting that scar tissue, letting that acne scar come up. What are you going to fill that space with? I mean, that's the problem. See, I do do inverted nipple correction. Inverted nipples, the same sort of thing. The scarring has pulled that that, that nipple down, has pulled those ducts down. Easy for you to say. But if you just cut the ducts, the nipple will come out. But if you just leave a space there, the nipple will invert again over time because it will, that space will fill with scar tissue and that scar tissue will contract down. So therefore, you have to do something to fill the space um, underneath the nipple to hold it up. So that would be my worry about subcision. Um, my worry would be that if you do subcision, which basically means putting a needle and cutting that scarring underneath the acne scar to let the acne scar come up, my worry is if you didn't fill that space with anything, that the it would just scar down again. But I don't know because I've got to be honest, it's not it's not my thing. It's not my specialty. Someone who there there is, I'm sure, someone out there who's doing it a lot, who's nuanced it and has got the technique off pat and knows exactly how to do it and can tell you whether it works or not i don't know so that that is uh that's a dabbler and um i don't so i we don't offer it i don't know if it's effective or not i certainly know it is a thing but how effective it is i don't know i question the 
um, science behind it because I would worry that space would fill with scar and put it down. But as I say, I haven't really, you know, I'm not an expert in it. So it'd be better off talking to an expert in it. And maybe if they've got good results and I would look, I'd like to see some results a bit longer term because you can probably get some early results by just doing that. But the worry is over, you know, three to six months, you know, if you still got, if you've got a good result, six months, six months, I'd be, I'd be happy um, that it might be worth doing. But anyway, we don't do it. Okay. Why? I'll tell you why. That's why. Yeah. No dabbling. Yeah. We don't dabble, right? No dabbling at the clinic. We're, non, we're non-dabblers. So um, what's going on here, Corinne? I got called for mine tonight. Oh, but going to walk, wait till January now. I'm in isolation anyway. Yeah, isolation before the op, just to clear that up. Yeah. When patients... Yeah. Um, yeah, Corinne. I don't know what to say about that, Corinne, but yeah, I was I was ill, and I've heard people being sort of ill for for, for a prolonged time after the uh, after these injections. So yeah, I was I guess I was lucky. I was just uh, one morning and uh, uh, one day and one morning, but yeah, it's a bit of a worry, isn't it? When patients have capsular contraction with the normal implants, do they need to go for other ones or the same ones as before? Absolutely, their choice, Terry. Um, so. Probably what you're talking about is the difference between silicone and polyurethane. There are many surgeons who don't use polyurethane, so it is, you know, in those people, it's very, it's, 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 it's quite a um, common practice to have a capsular contracture and have another texture silicone implant in. So yeah, you could go with the same ones as before. Um, it has, you know, we'd well, have to go through the same decision process because the polyurethane have got a lower risk of capsular contracture. And obviously, when you have a capsular contracture and have that implant changed, your risk of getting capsular contracture second time is higher than than it is first time. So you're increasing your risk every time because you're doing more scar tissue. But nevertheless, if you didn't want polyurethane, you wouldn't have to have polyurethane. Um, you could go to silicone implants. Um, textured silicone or any implant you choose really and uh, you just have to be aware of the, the um, risk profile with them so you know higher risk of capsular contracture lower risk of ALCL basically um, you know what, what do you want do you want the one with a high risk of the ALCL or the one with a high risk of capsular contracture or something in between you know but yeah, you could have any implant you want, Terry, is the answer once you've had capsular contracture, but your risk of capsular contracture is higher. So it might skew you more towards the polyurethane, but um, it's by no means a fait accompli that you have to have a certain type of implant. That's that. Oh! Nice one, Terry. Nice one. Save me. Have patients had capsular contracture with the other ones? Which ones? The the polyurethane ones. Patients have had capsular contracture with all of them, Terry. So um, there's basically a spectrum. You've got smooth, microtextured, macrotextured, polyurethane foam. The ones of ALCL, yeah, polyurethane foam. So yes, they have, Terry. You can get capsular contracture with polyurethane foam implants. And the jury's a little bit out, but it looks like you may well be able to get ALCL with the smooth implants. So 
I don't think either of them 100% guarantee you of not getting that problem. So polyurethane don't 100% guarantee you of not getting capsid contracture, and smooth implants don't 100% guarantee you of not getting um, ALCL. But the risk is significantly less of getting capsid contracture with polyurethane and of getting ALCL with smooth. It's significantly less. So the quoted figures for polyurethane foam implants is 1% at 15 years, but that is for primary cases, which means first operation, second operation, the risk is going to be higher. I don't know what the figures are, but um, you're not stuck, Terry. You are not stuck. I'm going to check out of here because clearly I'm a busy guy. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.